Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Talking Philly Sports with Matty B. I am your host, Matt Benarchek. It is Wednesday, August the 25th, 2021. Welcome, everybody, back to another fun-filled episode of the pod. It's been, I guess, about a month since the last time we spoke, but I'm back uh, as we kind of churn our way through the month of August into the beautiful month of September, which means, of course, football is right around the corner. And it is a beautiful day here in Delaware Valley on this late summer Wednesday morning. Uh, Yes, I am coming at you in the morning. I normally don't do that. I'm normally an, an evening guy, but found some time this morning to to sit down and come at you and kind of catch up and catch everybody up and catch myself up as I um you know I know I've been kind of uh throwing out a little bit you know not not as much as I should be this summer but listen it's the summer I'm enjoying myself too just like everybody else is so but we're getting close I mean we're getting real close we're about three weeks away from the start of the 2021 NFL football season which means, of course, the preseason is in full swing. And <sighs> Philadelphia Eagles, obviously, if you're following the Eagles, if you are a fan of the Eagles, if you even have a slightest interest in the Eagles, you know all about the intense scrutiny that Nick Sirianni and company have been under uh, this training camp for the way they've conducted practices and the way they've conducted their preseason uh personnel packages, everything about what Nick Sirianni has done this year, uh, which, you know, was expected, has been under close, guarded scrutiny by both the media, the fan base. You know, we're just a fickle group here in Philadelphia. And it's funny, and we'll get into this in a minute, but I, I don't remember in all my years of football watching and Eagle fandom a preseason and training camp that was put under this much scrutiny. I I really don't. And I've been following this team for 40 years. It's funny because here we are in August or when training camp began in late July. And it's, you know, it's about the practices. It's about how, you know, Jalen Hurts looked in practice or about Devontae Smith, how he looked in practice, about how they all have looked in practice. There's been some ups and some downs with some players, right? So we got really up on some players based on practice, and we got really down on some players based on practice. And then we turn around into the preseason, and we're two games in. The third game uh, is tomorrow night in New York or in New Jersey against the New, Jer- uh, the New York Jets. And we sit here so glued to what the Eagles are doing on the preseason fields and what they're doing on the practice fields. Like we have, as a fan base, any sort of idea or glimpse inside that facility to know what the coach's um, intent is. Now, obviously, when I look at the practices and when I look at what's happening in preseason, I'm looking at it from a other side of the coin perspective. I look at it as this. When we get to Halloween, no one's going to give a goddamn about what was happening in Lehigh, or geez, dating myself, said Lehigh Valley. 
uh, in South Philly in late July. Or no one's going to give a damn what was happening uh, in Philadelphia and in New Jersey during the preseason. No one's going to care, right? We're not. It's not going to matter. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not going to harken back on October 30th and say, well, remember, you know, the, the way they practiced and whatnot. No, we're not. We're going to be focused on what this football team is here and what it is now. And it is what it is. I was never a big fan of the preseason. I, I thought it was a waste of time. And I remember back in the day-day when it was six games. And then it went down to four, and now it's down to three. But I was never a big fan of it, okay? And I got it. You know, a lot of people will say it's because, well, it depends on what type of team you have. If you have an established veteran team, maybe preseason is not necessarily that important because you already know who your people are. You already know who's starting that, where, and, and, and you know all that stuff. But when you're a young team like the Philadelphia Eagles, you should have a more heightened awareness towards what's happening in the preseason. And and specifically, it goes back to Jalen Hurts and the fact that he's only taken 10 snaps in two preseason games. That is true. But he's also taken the majority of the snaps in the practices. Now, is practice the same as a preseason game? No. But is a preseason game the same as a regular season game? No. Is a regular season game the same as a playoff game? No. And so on and so forth. Listen, folks, it is what it is. I cannot tell you how many September's in the past that the Eagles just didn't look right because of what they did or did not do during the preseason. And I don't suspect this year to be any different than that. Okay. Now, is it crucial this year that the Philadelphia Eagles get off to a good start? Absolutely. But it's crucial every year, but this year, the way the schedule kind of starts out with Atlanta, San Francisco, Dallas, Kansas city, you know, that's a crucial stretch. It really is. The Eagles could find themselves buried after the first month of the season. They could. But let's look at the game in the 21st century. It is not the same game of the 1990s. It's not the same game of the 80s, 70s, 60s, so on and so forth. It's a different game with a different sort of athlete. So all the scrutiny that the Eagles have been under and all the scrutiny that the fan base and the media has put the Eagles under about how they've conducted themselves in practices and preseasons, it's really kind of funny because if I bring it up, if I bring that up in November, people are going to look at me like I'm crazy. What are you talking about? The training camp or the preseason? Who cared about that? And that's my point. Okay. I expect two things from the Philadelphia Eagles during training camp and the preseason. Number one, health. Okay. With all this back and forthness about whether or not Jalen Hurts should be starting X amount of plays or X amount of quarters or X amount of games or X amount of halves, whatever you want to call it. What do you, what, what do you think the fan outcry or the media outcry would be if Sirianni had in these last two preseason games left Jalen Hurts in for three, three and a half quarters, and then he breaks his leg in a meaningless preseason game? What do you think the fan outcry and the media outcry would be then? It would be that Nick Sirianni doesn't know what the hell he's doing because he played his starter or his pseudo-starter because he hasn't named him as a starter. But he played his starter too much in a meaningless situation. So Nick is kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't right now. They're giving him crap because they're not playing Jalen Hurts much. But if they played him much and he got hurt, they'd be giving him crap too. So listen, for those of you out there who are 
losing sleep over the Philadelphia Eagles and their practice habits or the Philadelphia Eagles and their preseason game habits, pump the brakes. Let's get through this game tomorrow night. Let's get to Atlanta. And then we can start scrutinizing, okay? I don't know what the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in 2021, but I'm sure as hell not going to base what I think they might be on the practices and the preseasons of this year. I'm not going to do that because we are at the very beginning of a long road of football ahead for the Eagles. And there's a lot of a lot of things to come into play. And health is the number one concern that I have for this team. <clears throat> the last couple of seasons, it's been the walking wounded out there. Hell, it's been the walking dead by the time we get to October. Last year, we ran out an unordinary – I mean, did you remember the – what was it? 13 different offensive line combinations went out there for the Eagles in 2020? Like they set a record? We didn't have any of our starting wide receivers? So listen, if we can get the week one healthy – that's a win. <laughs> That's a win for me. If, if we can step, step onto the field in Atlanta on week one with our starters upright, active, in uniform, that is a win. Now, what happens after that? I don't know. With the lack of training or the or the, the type of practices that the Eagles had this summer and in the way they played the preseason games, will that affect them adversely as we grind through the 2021 season? Don't know, but we've, why not? What, what, what do we got to lose at this point? You know, I would feel a lot healthier or a lot better if our starters started the season. So I'm not going to get too fired up about 35, nothing lost to the New England Patriots last week. All right. I'm not going to get too fired up on the mystery illness of Jalen hurts and why he did not start. I'm not going to get too fired up about it because it's the pre flipping season. Talk to me come week one and beyond. So that's the halves with the Eagles. As we turn through the latter part of August, now tomorrow night, again, as I said, the Eagles will be in or at the Meadowlands. They conducted a joint practice with the Jets this week. Um, I believe it was today and yesterday. Yep. And tomorrow night they're going to actually, um, they'll get down with the Jets and, Finish up the preseason, then they're going to have a two-week layover before the start of the regular season. So, listen, we're about there. <coughs> I can smell it. I can smell football coming down the down the pike. And with that being said, a little programming note: on September the first, be on the lookout for a talking Philly sports with Maddie B. NFL 2021 deep dive with my main man, the official pregame analyst of Talking Philly Sports with Matty B. Mr. Kyle Quinn will join me, and we will deep dive not only the Eagles, but all the teams in the NFL. We will go division by division, conference by conference. Kyle and myself will give our overall opinions about what these teams have done in the offseason, what these teams look like now, and what could possibly be the ceilings of these teams. And we will pick, yes, right, you'll hear it, We'll pick our division winners, our wild cards, our conference championship games, our Super Bowl matchup, and we will unveil our Super Bowl winners this year. So September 1st, be on the lookout for that. I'm really looking forward to it. 
I, you know, it's kind of like an appetizer for my, um, <laughs> my uh, long marathon with Kyle Quinn as we'll begin the 2021 season. Of course, as I've said on record many times, I could not and I cannot thank the man enough for what he does for me in this, in this podcast. He devotes a lot of his time and his energy to coming on and yeah, going head to head with me on a week to week basis during the season. So I really, really will never be able to thank him for that. So be going to look out for that on September the 1st. Now, changing gears to the baseball diamond. Um, so the last time we spoke, which was at the end of July, the Phillies were kind of dead in the water. And we were we were discussing the potential or possibilities of a trade deadline move that the team might make. Then we talked about the failed attempt at a trade with the Pittsburgh Pirates for Tyler Anderson. Uh, but since we've talked, the Phillies did execute a trade deadline deal. They sent Spencer Howard to the Texas Rangers in exchange for Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, a minor league pitcher. And they also sent, I think, I believe it was cash considerations or future prospects to the Baltimore Orioles in exchange for Freddie Galvis. That's right. Old Freddie Galvis is back. Dreadlocks and all. And since we talked last, uh, the Phillies went to Pittsburgh. They dropped two out of three. Which was interesting because of the um, timing of that. It was literally the day after the deadline. They went to Pittsburgh. They looked lifeless in the first two games of that series. Won a blowout in the final game. But then something magical happened. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Phillies were on a run. They would go ahead and win their next, with that, to include the Pittsburgh game, they would go on to win their next seven games to amass an eight-game winning streak. And at the end of that eight-game winning streak, or when the smoke cleared at that eight-game winning streak, the Phillies found themselves two games ahead of the Atlanta Braves in first place in the National League East. That is right. They were there. Now, let's backtrack a little bit. Now, of course, as I mentioned, the one win or the salvage victory against the Pirates, the Phillies then traveled to Washington to play the Nationals, who, of course, went through a buy mode at the also break at the trade deadline sending Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers in exchange for about six of their top prospects they went on they they defeated the Nationals in a four game series they swept them then they came home in a much anticipated showdown with then the first place New York Mets and they handed the Mets their hat now the Mets Nationals they're done now I really they're they're, they're sinking like a stone but the Phillies handled their business. And at the end of the day, and on that Sunday afternoon, on August the 8th, what a wonderful day, the Phillies found themselves two games ahead of the Atlanta Braves, who were surging in their own right. But since then, since then, my friends, the Phillies headed out west to play the, or I'm sorry, the Phillies then uh, hosted the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Cincinnati Reds in back-to-back -back series. The Phillies dropped two out of three to the Dodgers and two out of three to the Reds. Then they went out west. They got swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks and then took two out of three from the San Diego Padres. There is no way I can make this up. I, I don't have any reasoning or explanations for it other than the fact that the team stinks. Last night, they returned home uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, and they lost 3-1. to one. Now, 
in the midst of all that, during the Dodger, Reds, Diamondbacks, Padres series, the Atlanta Braves on their own right were surging. And they went on like a nine-game winning streak. So as of today, August the 25th, 2021, the Phillies find themselves four and a half games behind the Atlanta Braves for first place in the National League East with about eh, 30, 35 games remaining in the season. A doable task for your fight in Philadelphia Phillies. But let's face it. Let's let's be real. They have strengthened their bullpen with the addition of Ian Kennedy. They have strengthened their starting rotation with the addition of uh, Kyle Gibson. But they did absolutely nothing to strengthen the other inconsistent part of this team, their offense. They lack, once again, or they continue to lack, consistency when it comes to hitting, consistency when it comes to runners in scoring position. They continue to lack the ability to hit. Their offense has been dreadful since the end of that eight-game winning streak. They are averaging somewhere around two and a half runs a game since that eight-game winning streak. Their starting pitching is serviceable. Their starting pitching, as it stands right now, and we got Zach Eflin getting ready to come back, is, in my opinion, a playoff starting rotation. It is. Now, I didn't say World Series contender. I said playoff. But their offense, their bullpen, and their defense are not. So we are going to probably be victimized as a fan base to a lot of 3-1-4-2-6-4-2-1 type of games this, from this point out. Now, whether or not the Phillies are on the right side of those numbers remains to be seen. The schedule, the infamous schedule that has been very well documented is pretty light after the Phillies finished this series with the Tampa Bay Rays. It is a doable schedule to where a team could make a run. But I don't care what type of schedule they're playing. If they don't hit the baseball, if they don't get runners on base, and if they don't get those runners in, I don't. you're not going to win. So we sit here... And, you know, I can't believe I'm, I'm actually talking like this because we have meaningful September baseball in our, in our grasp. It's going to be just based on how this thing is going to probably work out for the rest of the month. So we are entering a meaningful September baseball season, which would be, let's face it, for the 18, 19, 20, fourth straight year, we're going to have meaningful September baseball. Now, whether or not they're going to collapse again, like they've done for the last three seasons, remains to be seen. But as we sit here at the end of August, meaningful September baseball is upon us here in Philadelphia. What happens with that September baseball and how meaningful that is, as I said, remains to be seen. Over the weekend, and I'm going to kind of put this out there because I, I'm, I'm a big fan of perspective. I, I think you guys know that, right? I'm, I pride myself on not being too... Um, one-sided. I, I, I like to provide um, perspective, and in order to provide perspective, you got to provide. You got to you got to have context or content, right? 
And over the weekend, I was uh, privileged enough to attend um, three straight Lehigh Valley Iron Pig baseball games. That's right. I am sitting here on the air on my podcast talking about the privilege of attending three consecutive minor league baseball games. And I'm going to tell you really quick why I was privileged to attend those games. Um, I am a, and I don't give out much personal information about myself for obvious reasons, but I I am a divorced uh, father of three beautiful daughters. And they currently live with their mother in Ohio. Now, and everything is on good terms. Well, as good as it can be, I guess, but I digress. I was privileged enough to have my daughters uh, for the entire summer, and we had a great summer. And that was one of the reasons why I wasn't very present upon on, the, on this podcast, but I had a great summer with them. Uh, along with my girlfriend and, their, and her children, we were able to have really a fun time. But it was nonstop kids and nonstop go, go, go from around the end of May up until about a week ago, week, 10 days ago, maybe. And when we sent the, when I sent my girls back home and my girlfriend had the opportunity not to have kids this weekend, this wonderful woman who is, who is my girlfriend decided to spend or to have us spend our first weekend without kids attending baseball games in Rochester, New York. I mean, who does that? So for those of you who are unlucky and love out there, hang in there. There, I am a tried and true tested example of the fact that there is definitely somebody out there for everybody. And if you're lucky enough to have somebody like my girlfriend, uh, you truly are lucky because this woman, uh, who she, she's a sports fan, but she decided that what, what better way that we could spend our first weekend without kids together than attending a doubleheader on Saturday between the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs and the Rochester Red Wings and then allow me to turn around on Sunday and watch the rubber game of that series as well. So I had a lot of pig baseball this weekend, and I was able to kind of look at some players, i.e. Mickey Moniak, um, with some microscopic type of tendencies, right? And here's what I got from the first overall draft pick of the 2016 draft, Mr. Mickey Moniak, who might be the most famous minor league player out there right now because of the fact that it's six years after he's been drafted and yet he still languishes in the minors. But Mickey is a a small kid. I mean, he is small. He is definitely not, when you look at him, he doesn't look like a major leaguer. He looks like a high school kid, all right? But he does play very good defense, and he does make contact with the ball. Does not have power worth a damn, but he does have the ability to make contact with the ball. So what I see from Mickey Moniak, as the Phillies last week herded out their eighth different center fielder, is why not? Why is this kid not being given an opportunity to play in Philadelphia? The guy's been in the minors for six years. It's time. It's time to put up or shut up for the Mick. So moving Mickey Moniak up to Philadelphia and giving him a prolonged look at whether or not he can play center field for the Philadelphia Phillies or for anybody in that aspect in Major League Baseball, I believe the time is now. I don't know what the Phillies are waiting to see from him. If it's what I think it is, uh, sustained power, 
It ain't happening this year. It, it's just not happening. But I believe it's time to allow the kid the opportunity to play. Now, as far as the rest of the Iron Pigs go, I honestly thought I was watching the Phillies because it was the same recipe going on down in Lehigh than it was in Philadelphia. Above average starting pitching. Pretty good starting pitching. Decent starting pitching. Suspect defense. I witnessed four errors from the Iron Pigs over the weekend in three games. I don't think I've ever seen a team or an organization so fundamentally unsound in playing defensive baseball that I had the Philadelphia Phillies. I remember growing up, errors were something that was so odd and so uncommon to see in the paper, in the box score, that they automatically drew your attention. Now, especially if you're a fan of the Phillies, it's a common thing. Oh, they got another error. It just blends in with the rest of the damn box score. That ain't the way it's supposed to be. But I saw it. I saw fundamentally unsound defensive baseball from the Iron Pigs, as well as inconsistent hitting and the inability to drive runners in. So listen, if you think the problem right now nests with the Philadelphia Phillies and that's it, folks, I'm here to tell you that that's not it. The problem with this team, with, with what's happening with the Phillies, it, it's going on down there in AAA as well. So I know Dave Dombrowski made, this, uh, made some sweeping changes yesterday, uh, subtracting some player personnel people, subtracting some player development people. Listen, it needs to be done because th- there's, there's a flaw somewhere in the Philadelphia Philly player development organization and system. These players just don't understand how to play fundamental baseball. And I don't know if you blame the manager down there or if you blame the manager in Reading or if you blame the manager in Lakewood or if you blame the manager in Clearwater. I don't know who you blame. But somewhere, something has got to change with this team and how they conduct business and how they develop players. Because until that is, this is the type of season we're going to see year in and year out a 500 baseball team that'll keep you kind of in it and then at the end, break your heart. But I had a great weekend. It was it was hot in Rochester, but I enjoyed it. Uh, again, massive shout-outs to my girlfriend for allowing me to do that. So, listen, that's pretty much going to do it for me. I wanted just to kind of come on and, and get uh, caught up or get you caught up about what, what the haps are here in Philadelphia when it comes to sports. And prepare everybody for what is to come, and what is to, and what that is, of course, is the beginning of the two, of the, the National Football League. And again, mark it on your calendar. Be on the lookout for it. September first, me and Kyle Quinn will be on, and we will do a deep dive of every team in the National Football League, to include our beloved Philadelphia Eagles. And we will announce our Super Bowl teams and our, our potential and hopefully correct Super Bowl winner predictions. Until then, hey, you guys take care.